Look over to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, I just want to stay in John's gospel and really cover a short section with you this morning. We have been expositing through John 8. Pick up the text in 821 through 24. So he said to them again, Jesus, I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Three times there, in that short little scripture that we read, the Lord declares a truth that in many ways is frightening. He said, you will seek me and you will die in your sins in 821. In 824, he said, I told you that you would die in your sins. He says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Three separate times in just those verses, he told the Jewish people and those whom listened, whom listened to him that they would die in their sins. And you might ask the question this morning, why do people die in their sins? And really the answer is just one word. And the word is unbelief. That is why people die in their sins. They willfully choose to not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. J.C. Ryle years back said, who can tell the misery that unbelief has brought to the world. He said, unbelief made Eve eat the forbidden fruit. She doubted the truth of God's word. God said, you will surely die. And the devil came and said, you surely shall not die. But that's what it was, unbelief. Unbelief made the old world reject Noah's warning and so perish in their sins. Unbelief, Ryle said, kept Israel in the wilderness. It was the barricade that kept them from entering the promised land. Unbelief made the Jews crucify the Lord of glory. Unbelief, Ryle said, is the reigning sin of man's heart down to this very hour. Unbelief in God's promises, unbelief in God's wrath and discipline, unbelief in our own sinfulness, unbelief in everything that runs counter to the pride and worldliness of our evil hearts. End of quote. Jesus said, you will die in your sins. And to die in your sins without, be, without sin being repented of and without sin being atoned for makes you or anyone subject to the wrath of God. And so this is just a sobering and frightening statement by our Lord. Octavius Winslow the Puritan said throughout eternity, in other words, all the way throughout it, the lost soul will be testifying to this truth that God is holy. I was a sinner. I rejected his salvation. I turned my back upon his gospel. I despised his son. I hated God himself. I lived for my own sins. I love my sins. I died in my sins. And now I am lost to all eternity. And Winslow said, God is righteous in my condemnation. I mean, this is just a a sobering truth. 
The writer of Hebrews said this, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there, is no, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expect, expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. In fact, down below there it says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And so to die in your sins is to be separated from him. Now, of course, as we step into this context, we are coming off the wonderful passage where Jesus declared himself at the Feast of Tabernacles, in John seven thirty seven through 39, he said, I'm the living water, that he who believes in me shall never thirst again. He declared just a couple weeks, or last week when he looked, he said, I am the light of the world. He who believes in me will not remain in the darkness. And so there's great hope, and there's been hope throughout John's gospel. But our Lord Jesus Christ here, in this passage, in eight twenty one through 30, issues a warning for those who will not believe. And I would tell you, beloved, that he's on the offensive here. He's not listening to them as much as he is on the offensive, telling them and warning them, I would say with great seriousness, this is a sober truth. And so the question would be asked is, why do people die in their sins? And what our Lord does here is he reveals the consequences of unbelief, okay? The consequences of unbelief. And the consequence of unbelief is you will die in your sins. So what I want to do briefly is just look at two declarations, okay, that reveal, though, a wonderful truth of the gospel. He's just so kind as our Lord that even as he warns, He's revealing a wonderful truth of the gospel. The declarations are this. I want to look at first the result of unbelief. Okay. Then secondly, the reasons for unbelief. First, the result. What happens when you don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? And then secondly, what are the reasons for unbelief and even for judgment? So let me take you to those two declarations and then we'll conclude with a marvelous gospel truth that is in the text. Maybe you saw it as we read it. But the first declaration is this, the result of unbelief. The result of unbelief. Look again at the text in 21. He said to them again, again, he's just continuing to teach them. I am going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin Where I am going, you cannot come. Stop there just for a moment. The key there in verse 21 is when Jesus said, and you will die in your sin. Now, I just point this out to you if you caught that just in the reading. You'll note in verse 21, he says there, you'll die in your sin. But if you look down at verse 24, he said, I told you that you would die in your sins. Verse 21, sin obviously is singular. Verse 24, it's plural. And so when he says you will die in your sin here first in 21, he's talking about a particular sin. And the particular sin is the sin of unbelief. 
when you reject Jesus Christ, and when you reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will die in yourself. Unbelief, beloved, very clear to you, sends people to hell. Just don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I realize as I say that, that is an exclusive message, and you know that. It is very exclusive. Why do people go to hell? They go to hell for the simple reason, profound reason, that they have chosen not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look what Jesus said there in 21 again. He said to them again, I am going away. Now, you just stop there for a second. Obviously, he's talking about his death. But he's not just talking about his death. He's talking about in that phrase his resurrection. And not just his death and resurrection, but even his ascension into glory with his father. So he says, I'm going away. Now, look back just for a moment at John 7. He said this before. Remember when he was being sought to be arrested, if you will. In 733, Jesus said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. Verse 34, you will seek me, you will not find me where I am. He said, you cannot come. Remember their disbelief, even in verse 36 of chapter 7, what does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me and where I am, where I am, you cannot come. So he's repeated this truth. He says just simply, I'm going back to my father. I came from heaven. I will return from heaven. And he says, you will die in your sin. And where I am going to the father, you cannot come. And so he was very honest with them there, as always. But this warning of their imminent judgment stings the people who were listening to him, the Jewish people. In fact, look at the text in verse 22. Here was their response to his statement. He, it says, so the Jews said in verse 22, will he kill himself? Since he says, where I am going, you cannot come. I think it's somewhat interesting that they skip over, this is what I call selective hearing. They skip over completely the statement of them dying in their sin in the previous verse. And then they accentuate the last phrase that Jesus makes about departing from them. So they miss that you're going to die. And you say, well, why did they miss that? Because they think they're righteous. They think they're the holy ones. And so he, since he says, I'm going to a place you cannot come, they're thinking I'm going to heaven We're the people of God. Where is he going? So they mockingly say in verse 22, will he kill himself? I say mockingly, sarcastically, will he, what they're saying, will he commit suicide? I mean, if he's going to a place we can't come, we're going to heaven, then he may be thinking about suicide. Because here's what the Jewish people believed, according to the historian Josephus. Josephus taught, and the Jewish people believed, that the person who committed suicide didn't just go to Hades or to hell. That would be the place of the dead who didn't know God. But the people who committed suicide went to the lowest, darkest point of Hades. 
In fact, the person who committed suicide would go to the place furthest away, they said, from Abraham's bosom and furthest away from the people who are righteous. And that person would be assigned to the darkest corner of Hades um, forever. And so this was a sarcastic jab. In fact, to quote Josephus in his writings, he said, quote, the souls of those whose hands have done violence to their own lives go to the darkest Hades and God, their father, will visit the sins of the evildoers on their descendants, end of quote. So Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot come. And they sarcastically say, is he going to kill himself? And they never really realized what he was saying. But look at the last phrase there in 8.22. He says, where I'm going, you cannot come. I mean, that's obvious. We just make this simple implication here. To reject the son is to reject what? The father. If you reject his son, you reject his father. If he's going back up to be with his father, if you don't believe in a son, you can't come with him. In other words, they couldn't enter the presence of their father on the last day when they've rejected the son who's right before them in the present day in which he was speaking. So, beloved, unbelief then is separation from God. And so here's the result of unbelief. You become separated forever from a holy God. But that leads us to the second declaration is the reason for unbelief. The reason for unbelief. And, and here, here's why they will be separated forever. Here's the reason. Look at verse 23. He said to them, you are from below and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. Here's the reason. I am from above, Jesus says. I am not from this world, if you will. He says, I've come from heaven. My Father has sent me, and the two can't be joined. I come from above, you're from below. We come from two different worlds, two different worldviews, two different entities, if you will. He comes from God the Father, and they live in the realm of the world. In fact, look back at John 3.13. This is not new when he says, I've come from above, you come from below. Remember this in John 3.13? There... John said, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. In other words, he came from above. Look down at chapter 3 in verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He comes from above. Look over at chapter 6. Chapter 6, this has been the theme of John, where Jesus came from. He says in chapter 6, verse 38, I have come down from heaven. Look at verse 42. They said there at the end of 42, how does he say, I have come down from heaven? They were confused. He kept telling them he did. But look at 651. Jesus said, I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. So he said, I come from above, you are of this world, I am not of this world. He said to the people, the reason you're separated is because of your unbelief. And what separates people is Jesus comes from above and they come from the world below. 
Now, look at that phrase in verse 23. I just touch on this with you. He says, you are, he says, of this world. Now, you remember both in the book of 1 John and in John's gospel, I've taken time, particularly in John 3, to point out the different uses of the word world. Sometimes the world just means everybody who lives in it. For God so loved, what? The world. He loves the people in it. Sometimes the world in Scripture just means the creation, okay? But the predominant use of that Greek term cosmos speaks of the world system. So he says, listen, you can't come to me because you're from below and I'm from above. You come from this world. You come from this fallen system, evil system controlled by Satan. That's the word that he's using here. It is the world that is in total opposition to God. It is an evil order that is contrary to God. It is what we call Satan's system that opposes Christ, that it opposes God. It is an evil system that we can even say that is anti-God or anti-Christ. So he says, what separates you is your unbelief. And the reason you can't come to me is you're from a below. You're part of this system of evil. In fact, statements like this in Scripture in 1 John 5, 19, we know that we, speaking of believers, are from God. And then the writer said, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so this is the world in which we live in. It is an evil system orchestrated by Satan, orchestrated by demons, if you will. We come from God. We are now from above, but the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The world without Christ is wicked. An unbelieving man is blinded by his sin. In fact, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, he said the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of, of the gospel and the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You remember that Paul clearly said in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this, what? World. Before you're in Christ, you're part of this system. In other words, you were walking, following the course of this world. You say, what's that? Following the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So he says, listen, you're separated. Here's why, because of your unbelief. Here's the reason you're of this world. In fact, you remember when the Apostle John in 1 John in 2.15, certainly you remember when he says, do not love the what? World. He's not talking about the physical world. He's not talking about the world of humanity. He's talking about that evil system that is orchestrated towards Satan, towards evil, towards the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. He says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the what? Father is not in him. And so you can't love the world. And believers don't love the world, okay? Your children shouldn't love the world. In fact, do you remember, beloved, a few years back when we were in the book of James and James just gave that scathing rebuke to those people when he says, you adulterous people, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? Or is that enmity with God? In other words, you can't love two masters. But Jesus is saying here, you can't come with me. I'm going to the Father. And I'm from above. You're from below. And you're of this world. In fact, James said in 4.4, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. In fact, look over in John 15 just for a moment. He'll say much more later on in John 15. But here, don't be surprised that the world in which you live in is going to persecute you. Look at John 15, verse 18. He said, if the world, and that's the system there, hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. John 15, 18. 19 says, if you were of the world... Speaking of believers, meaning you're not of the world. If you were of the world, he said the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this of the world, I chose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. And so here's this principle that he's just giving here about what the world is. And I mean, I think if I just gave you a basic description of a Christian, a Christian has been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. The the believer has been transferred from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you can't come with me. You're going to die in your sin. You're going to die because you're unbelieving. And the the result is, and the reason is going to be, is we're not of the same party, if you will. So look back now in John 8, 24. He said, does Jesus a third time, he said, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Now you notice there, it's no longer singular, it's plural. I think it was Calvin who said, unbelief is the fountain and the cause of all evils. And from that fountain of unbelief comes all the sins, plural, that are connected to it. Now, I mean, what do you do with this? I mean, this is sobering. I mean, I, if you ever get a chance in love, how would that message be for you to look at somebody and say, you will die in your sins? I mean, I just don't know if that's politically correct in the evangelical world, but Jesus said that. And I don't mean that you're going to go up to somebody and be belligerent. But I mean, what a bold statement for Jesus to utter this. You are going to die in your sins. But I think it's even hopeful that he told them because he's warning them of the consequences. You say, well, can that condition be reversed? I mean, how do I not die in my sins? And if you're new with us or you've been here and you're wondering, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be separated forever. I don't want to die in my sins. Is there a remedy? And oh yes, there's a remedy. Look at verse 24. Packed in these two declarations is a wonderful truth. He said, I told you that you would die in your sins. And then here it is. Underline this. Star this. Strike this. You know, as as a point to remember. He said, for unless you believe that I am he you will die in your sins. Beloved, this is the profound statement of the gospel. Believing in the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to reverse that uh, judgment, if you will. 
The only way to reverse the condition of dying in your sins is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ is to escape them condemnation. It is to escape, if you will, hell itself. Now, he says that, that unless you, what? Believe. This is the gospel, beloved. He's been telling this all the way through. You say, how does someone not go to hell? How is someone not condemned forever? How does someone, uh, you know, not be forever separated? Here it is. Here's the truth. You must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not your righteousness. You know that. It's not your works. It's not your good deeds. It's not the fact that you attend this church or you're part of this church. The only guarantee that anyone has to reverse this condition is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look back just for a moment, will you, in John chapter 1. I don't need to go long here, but let me just show this to you where it just says there, and you know this, but to all in one twelve who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you look over at John chapter 3? He will state it again in verse 15 as he's talking about the serpent in 3.14 of John. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Whoever, there it is again in 15, believes in him may have eternal life. You've got to put your hope and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, and there it is again, believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Look over at John 3.36. He'll state it again there, does John the Apostle. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And then it's opposite. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Beloved, you've got to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Look over at John chapter 5. He stated it there again in John chapter 5 in verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You've got to put your hope and confidence in Christ. Look over at John chapter 6. John chapter 6 in verse 40, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. Look down at 647, truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. And so you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might say, what does that mean though? Believe what? Well, I mean, what, what do I have to believe? Well, you have to believe in the Lord. You have to believe in all that he claimed to be. But let me just take you to the text. I'll show you what you are to believe. It says this. is a wonderful statement in 824. I told you that you would die in your sins, Jesus said. For unless you believe, and then here's what we call the conditional clause. Unless you believe that I am, what? He you will die in your sins. You must believe, Jesus said, this is his words, that I am. I am. In the Greek, it's just that famous phrase, ego, I me. 
And it literally just means, I am. And so if you look down at the text in verse 24, the word he is just supplied. It's not in the language. I think we understood that. If he just said, I am, um, we get that. But he says, I am he. In other words, it's pointing back to who the declaration of the I am is. Now, beloved, this is a magnanimous statement here. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am. Now, there's two places that that's going to show itself. That is a marvelous statement, I am. It comes from Exodus 3.14. Do you remember the story of God's calling Moses to deliver his people from Egypt? And when God spoke to him from the burning bush, Moses asked, what shall I tell them? Who are you? Who do I say that sent me? And God said, remember that? I am who I what? am. This is what you are to say, Moses. I am has sent me to you. In other words, when he revealed himself to Moses, he revealed himself as eternal God who always existed, the great I am. So Jesus says, unless you believe I am he, you're going to die in your sins. I think you can begin to put those together. That the words that God, Lord, Yahweh used to refer to himself was the I am. Jesus now in the New Testament says, you must believe that I am. In other words, God is giving a declaration of himself as God, I am. Jesus now in the New Testament is giving a declaration that I am. And I think secondly, not only from Exodus 3, but this thought is also stated all through Isaiah. I think these scriptures are going to come up. When it says in Isaiah, these are God speaking in 41.4, who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord the first, and he says, and with the last, I am he. You can see that right there. I am he. That's God, obviously. Look in Isaiah 43.10, a wonderful statement. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe and understand that I am he. The great I am there, that statement. Isaiah 43. In verse 13, I am he. There is none other who can deliver from my hand. It says in 43.25, he says, I, I am, God says, he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. Only God can forgive sin. So he says, I am he who blots it out. Isaiah 46.4, God said, even to your old age, I am he. And to gray hairs, I will carry and I will save you. God is the, the savior, if, you're, if you will. I will carry you. I am he. Isaiah 48, 12, listen to me, Israel, whom I called. I am he. I am the first. I am the last. D.A. Carson said in Isaiah, the context demand that I am he means that I am the same. It means I am forever the same. And for others to apply this title to themselves was blasphemous. But for Jesus to apply these words to himself, beloved, was a claim to his deity. In fact, would you look over in John's gospel in just a second? 
Go over to John chapter 6 again, if your finger's still there, in verse 35. Do you remember these statements? You remember in 635, he said, I am the bread of life. He said, if you will, look over in John chapter 8. We'll pick it up there next week in verse 28, 828. It says there, Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. You say, did the Jews understand what He was saying? Yes, because glance down in John 8, in verse 58, you remember this, when Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, what did He say? I am You say, do they understand it? Look at the next verse, 59. They picked up stones to throw at him because they knew who he was declaring himself to be. Jesus referred to himself as God. He said, I'm Yahweh. I'm Lord of the Old Testament. And this was a claim to full deity for himself. So listen. You've got to put your hope and confidence in him. Here's the result of unbelief. Here's the reason for unbelief. But the result and the reason lead to a great gospel promise that I am he. Or literally, I am. In other words, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father, what? But through me. This is an exclusive claim. So if people are going to want to reverse their condition, they must believe that I am He. You must believe that Jesus Christ is God. You must believe that He is God in the flesh. In fact, it says in Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no other name than, than His name. And so 8.24 says, unless you believe I am He, you will die in your sins. There is only one way of escape. Only one way of finding the Lord Jesus Christ in life. It is the person of Christ. So when he says, I am, he's saying, I'm all that I have claimed to be. I am the one who has come from above. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the Messiah. I am the prophet. And here, caps, if you're putting them all together, he's saying, I am God in the flesh. That's what you must believe. So listen, Grace Church, as you go out and you evangelize, this is the person of Christ you must get them to. The goal isn't to get people to stand up at a rally, to have them make a decision for Christ, though God could use that. What we ought to be helping people understand is that Jesus Christ is the very revelation of God. That the Word became flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, what? Was God. That's what you must believe. If you don't believe that, take this as love from Christ. You will die in your sins. Now, beloved, I believe as we walk forward in the world in which we live, it will become more difficult to proclaim this message. And I believe that we're just living in a shallow day. You know, and I maybe just would say a word as we go in just a moment to the building dedication. Every day I drive by that building on my way into our church office. And I just thank the Lord 
that we can have a place to declare the word. Because I want you to know we're going to have to fight for the truth in the coming day. And we need to get that thing built so that we can declare truth from God's word and edify you. Because I just think once you begin to, to, to say this, like if you just put it in a contrast, you mean there's no other way? No, there's no other way. You say, do all religions lead to heaven? No, they all lead to hell except for the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that is just the exclusive message. Spurgeon put it this way of people who die in their sins in his own Spurgeon-esque way. I see the angel standing, he said, at the iron door. I hear the awful key as it grates among the tremendous wards. And when that gate is closed, he hurls the key into the abyss of oblivion. And the captives, he said, are fast immured, bound in fetters which will never break and chains which never rust. In other words, there are no second chances. Once you pass from this life, you pass before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So let me just close and say this. It all just comes down to one person. It comes down to the Lord Jesus Christ. It comes down to, the, to you affirming that. And so maybe I should just ask you, have you affirmed that truth, that he is the great I am? If you have, then you have the promise of eternal life. And that would be my prayer for you this morning.